This episode of the Event Industry News Podcast is sponsored by Evolution Dome, award-winning temporary inflatable event structures. Take a look at their structures at evolutiondome.com. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Event Industry News Podcast with me, James Dixon, wishing you all a very good morning, afternoon or evening, whenever or wherever you tune into today's podcast from. And uh, it's a double guest episode today, which uh, always excites me because it means I can do less talking and just let our guests talk about what they know best. Um, We're talking all things IMEX and anyone in the events industry, which is pretty much everyone I know, um, uh, if you're at uh, IMEX this year, would have seen um, some significant differences, uh, some changes in the rebrand. And I'm delighted to say that we've got two people who are very much sort of behind uh, that process, going to be talking today about how that all unfolded and some of the decisions and the processes um, that went along with that um, particular rebrand. Um, from IMEX, I'm delighted to welcome to the podcast, design manager, Anna Geisman, and uh, somebody who's responsible for the interaction design at IMEX, Ollie Bailey, both joining the podcast for the first time. Ollie, Anna, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having us. Uh, you're very welcome. We were talking there about the fact that I'm bereft of, of artwork behind uh, <laughs> at, at, in, at the level that my two guests have got today, but I do have a dog. Uh, Mabel, who regular podcast listeners will know, joins me on most of the podcast recordings, is uh, is in the room today. Um, so, rebrands. Um, I've got some some wonderful documents here that I'm holding up to the screen, which are the the sort of the the, the documents and the sort of the processes that I uh, that were put together as part of this rebrand, Anna. And mm-hmm. um, fascinating to actually look at a document and actually see. And, and understand what, what some of those thought processes and, and what happened behind it. Um, l- let's start by sort of asking the obvious question and saying, you know, rebranding such a globally recognised and established event is a huge decision. You know, how, when when was this process instigated and when, would, when did the conversations first start to take place about whether or not you needed and, and should go ahead with a rebrand? Yeah, that's a good question. I'm, I'm quite new to IMEX. I've been with them for uh, two and a half years. Um, it was about 18 months ago it came up in conversation and it just felt like the logo didn't represent who we were anymore as a company. Um, and I dreamt of rebranding it and just thought it'd be wonderful. Not rebranding, refreshing. So we wanted to um, not alienate the existing audience. That was very important to us, but it just needed... a modernizing and mm. streamlining really that was the thought process behind it um and uh, very lucky that ray uh, the chairman and karina the ceo were very much behind the idea and kind of gave us free reign to just see what we came up with so it was a fantastic process and it's been a long long um 18 months but it, it's been worthwhile and I suppose once you're given the green light to to go ahead with something like that as a, as a as, as a design person, that that mm. must be great for you to be able to sort of sit with a blank canvas in some mm. respects and and get the creative juices flowing. Yeah, frightening in a way, um, but we did have an existing logo, so it was very important that we found out what people liked about the logo and what people mm. liked less about it. Um, so we did a lot of research and we went out to fifty external. Um, partners and just said you know tell us what you like this isn't we're not trying to trip you up here just you know be completely honest um and it was fascinating what we found out so we knew it wasn't a totally blank canvas which would have been terrifying um and i have launched brands before that you know it was exactly that and that is in some ways harder um 
So we knew what we had to play with and we knew that there was a lot of love around the IMAX dots, which uh, people love. So we we launched from that spot, really, um, mm. and went across the company and Ollie and his team were fantastic in, in input. And uh, yeah, so that was us in the back room and home. And, and, and coming to you, Ollie, if I'm right in 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 saying so, you know your your responsibility lies with how that brand then manifests itself on the actual show floor, so to speak. So all of those assets that we see making up, you know, the production of a show floor mm. at an event like IMAX and IMAX and and, and in the conference areas, the the, the, the trade show floor, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Um, how how important was it that, that you had a, a sort of a collaborative input into what was happening, given how you like, you know, to, to represent and mm -hmm. manifest the logos on things like screens, on printed material, et cetera, et cetera? Mm, well, it's huge. And it's it's not just it's not just me, although I'm, I'm here talking about that today, of course. Um, one thing that we've done, which would be a great takeaway for anybody listening to this, is, um, is set up a, a cross team group of people whose uh, sole function really is to look at the experiential side of our events and they're from all the different uh, departments that we have um, all come together and then are able to consider everything uh, from every angle like that so after covid mm. uh, we had to look at arrivals in a very meaningful way um you know we needed to avoid any kind of crowds and things like that sure. um, and yeah. that, that information yeah. and that work that we did then really really helped with this because then uh, we knew uh, and we, we actually went to frankfurt didn't we Anna, and, and you know walked the, the paths mm -hmm. that everybody would have which is very, very important. I mean, empathy is obviously the, the, the designer's main main goal there. Sure. Um, we knew we knew these points of arrival. So when we wanted to do a big big reveal, uh, which, which which was one of the things we wanted to do, um, mm. we had all of that information from previous years, all of that work. Mm. This same group of people, of, of which Anna is part as well, um, that we were able to draw on and um, and really make use of. Uh, and, and there are there are so many assets involved now in in in, in live event production when it comes to branding, um, and I've got you know I would say more than some experience of this. I work on the production team for Event Tech Live, and I'm very much sort of show floor operations, Ollie. So you know, maybe not from a design point of view, but certainly I'm aware of just how many different assets are there, and I'm constantly being asked, you know, can I get a logo on that screen? Or we've got a portrait, you know point of sale unit over there can we brand that up with some digital signage and and so having different logo options and branding options available so that they look right in all of these different formats is so important now Anna isn't it when you think mm. about people looking at it on mobile screens in portrait or landscape mode when we have all the different assets that are available to us and that sort of customer journey I suppose is critical that you maintain some form of consistency but also give yourself the flexibility to mm -hmm. adapt to these to these different delivery methods no, absolutely. It was um, a huge, huge undertaking, infinite possibilities of where it might turn up. And we had to, uh, I think the process, we wanted to really streamline the logo. The previous one had, um, it kind of disappeared a bit when it was amongst other logos and it was quite mm. um, intricate, if you like. Um, so we wanted to have quite a confident, plain almost, uh, very um, modern logo and as soon as we hit the handshaking logo i don't know if everyone's familiar with it um my first instinct was i love that but we've got to try and trip it up we've got to try and make it not work so we put it really <laughs> small mono amongst a million other logos you put it white out on a color background you put it full color on an eight meter board and if it kept performing which it did we thought this this is it's 
could well be the winning formula. So we certainly considered absolutely everything from letterheads to billboards. Um, and no stone was left unturned. We really, really did our thorough diligence with it. Um, so I'm really, really thrilled that it seems to be performing so well. Um, that's interesting there when we talk about you know uh, the, the process of rebranding an established mm. event you know is that I, i've i've worked as a freelancer with with other events before where they send me their assets say, oh yeah here's our logos and mm. you go to put it in certain assets ollie and 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 it just it just doesn't work you know they mm. they do a you know, they do a powerpoint template for example for their their speakers mm. they put the logo on and it just doesn't pop out on there because they've not thought about how it would sit on that particular asset and um taking your time with a process like this is is critical isn't it is it, mm. it's one thing coming up with a great logo design in the first mm. instance and that will work but you really have to sort of allow yourself that time to cover all the bases don't you mm -hmm. we, we do and, and you know it's amazing how many such assets you can accrue over over 20 plus years you know when we were still finding them you know halfway <laughs> through the process <laughs> what about that one um one thing we did that was was very valuable um putting it back again in, in the context of the, of the event itself was um, have some prototypes made, go over to Frankfurt and look at them in situ and mm -hmm. try them out. And we did actually make some changes on the back of that. That was very mm -hmm. useful indeed. Yeah, we indeed. also got a, a great deal of confidence on the back of that as well, that, right, mm -hmm. this works. It works in the con uh, in, in the um, context of, of, of Messe Frankfurt in this instance. So yeah. mm -hmm. uh, that, you remember, that was very, remember very what some of those changes were? Yeah, we were looking at directional signage. Um, because um, we wanted it to be um, obviously recognizable as IMEX, um, but it shouldn't be too, we wanted to complement the, um, the venue's own signage as well, which is, which is great. I love Messe Frankfurt's um, signage anyway. Um, we chose the, um, the scheme, uh, a different color scheme. We went for the sort of navy uh, background color um, for the um, for directional signage, which contrasts, uh, which IMEX specific directional signage rather, which contrasts yeah. against the, the red of Messe Frankfurt, the overview, this is Hall 8, this is Hall 9, anything more granular than that, we had a different um, colour scheme mm -hmm. to that. And we just made some um, changes to the typography, was it, or some of the arrows, I think, um, yeah. once we were seeing it in situ. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, that was very important. So we went and made the, the signs up and we I th just think it's very important to actually see it. You can't, there's only so much you can get from the printer at work. So, um, and then you just stood six feet away or wherever someone would be reading these signs and think that's 150 point, can you read it? And then mm. you would know, and we just knew immediately it needed to come up a bit. I think we thickened the, the line of the arrow a bit um, and we knew it'd be very visually noisy on site. So the Navy was a sign in itself that said this is a mm. bit of um, IMEX directional signage for you mm -hmm. and it worked really well. And you know, the signs themselves we were using as part of the whole brand refresh anyway, because you know each mm. one of them, yeah, sure, it's functional, but it should also be um, you know decorative mm. on that side as well, and yeah. part of you mm -hmm. know getting the, the the brand message across. Um, it can be multifunctional on that sense. Um, what, what level of attention was paid, Anna, to um, animated versions of the logo? Because when we talk about digital assets, social media mm -hmm. content, etc., um, I, I would guess that that's you know, probably quite a key element now to have an animated version of it. Yeah, so we, we work closely with an animation studio in Brighton, um, a place called Buff Motion, and we have a hero version, a sustainability version, an innovation version, and a Sonic logo. So, and we just had the best fun. I mean, it was such a unifying effect. I mean, Ollie's brilliant at music and there's had stuff on radio. So, I mean, just brilliant, absolutely brilliant. So we worked, we had so much fun bringing those to life um 
I have them. I don't know how I can share them with this um, <laughs> this no, screen. It's slightly different to my normal screen, but um, no, I, I, absolutely. Well, well let, let's talk it through it. And, and, yes. and for, for, any, for any for any tech users and, and, and event tech people out there, we're using we use Streamyard to record ah, event, yeah. the event industry news podcast. And uh, hopefully, on your screen somewhere, Anna, you may have a present button. Um, I think it's I think it's present or sh uh, or, or, or screen share. Um, oh, here we go. They, Present. Yes, share screen. I can do that now. If anyone would like to see these animated logos, let's, let, let's, let's give, give it a go, everybody. Give it a whirl. This will be the first time ever on the podcast that we've used the uh, the present. Let's just hope you don't see my gas bill or something. Let's hope. Um, <laughs> go, see, we're uh, opening okay. up new corridors of conversation here for for, for event people as well. Um, you know, who who use platforms like this. Uh, and and interestingly, just as a side, I've never sat on the other end of Streamyard as. As, as the guest i've only ever been the one sort of in the pilot seat for example so um i hope people go. can see this can anyone see this <laughs> Ooh, no, no, well, we can't at the moment but i'll, I'll tell you what we're going to do on on event industry news um when the podcast goes up onto uh, event industry news everybody you may be listening to the audio version of this wherever you get your podcast from if you go to eventindustrynews.com and you go to the podcast page you see the video version of this podcast but underneath it there is always a little bit of a podcast synopsis about what we're talking mm -hmm. and the, some mm -hmm. of these assets that we're going to be discussing today will put underneath the actual uh, podcast episode on eventindustrynews.com so people mm -hmm. can actually see it and and a link to some other stuff because as i said the documents that i was sent in advance are really interesting if, you know for mm -hmm. anybody out there regardless mm -hmm. of the yep. size of event that you're running it's such a critical component now to get all of these different elements um elements mm. correct um yeah. maybe we could maybe we could talk about some some of the actual um attendee feedback because i've no doubt that, that the collaborative process within your own organization was significant but it's one thing internally being happy with what you're doing but there must have been a sort of a collaboration with mm -hmm. attendees with audience people with audiences mm -hmm. with sponsors etc what was that process like we have very key um, strategic partners that we work with. Um, as you can imagine, the German Convention Bureau, uh, Frankfurt uh, Convention Bureau as well, um, got um, definitely an early um, an early viewing of those, and um, um, we were asked to give uh, feedback on that on that side of things, uh, which was which was very positive, and that again gave us a lot of confidence and. Um, knew we were moving in the right direction. Of course, we also had to uh, make sure that when we did. Um, change over to the new new branding that um, there weren't too many of the old ones flying around as well so it was really useful um, to get those key partners on board because they generate a lot mm -hmm. of media as well so mm -hmm. they had to know that there was a time when they had to switch uh, mm. and do all of that um, as Anna said then sharing it around the team was was really useful um, uh, as mm. well yeah um, that's vital. yeah and, and I suppose that the, the, the for things like sponsors you know that there's so sponsorship mm. and, and 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 branding and sort of co-branding with with headline sponsors and, and stakeholders and partners in an event like this is is absolutely critical you know it forms a, a key income stream for for for, for events like this um and no doubt i guess that, that those sponsors and, and partners that you've probably worked with for a number of years have all got to be on the same page and 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 not necessarily happy with it in terms of giving you an approval from it but you certainly don't want to to potentially alienate some of their brand or, or interfere with some of their branding and how they're putting stuff mm -hmm. together do you ollie 
No, 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 absolutely not. Um, so yeah, that, I'm not necessarily asking for their buy-in, but it had to also work with um, you know everything that they they did as well. So we have to, you know, we we looked at the our key partners, we looked at the branding side by side in each one of those instances as well to make sure it still worked. And when we launched IMEX in Frankfurt, it was very much IMEX in partnership with the GCB. Of course, we are still in partnership with the GCB, but mm -hmm. um, the logos are a little bit more distinct these days. But nevertheless, you know, um, they appear side by side in so many different um, applications uh, that that was something we absolutely had to take into consideration. When it came to launching, and actually sort of revealing the the, the rebrand again that's not something that you, well, i suppose you could do you could just say yeah we're ready to go whack it out on social media and change our logos on the website but you know I, it was clearly a, a much more thought out process than that again collaboration with the marketing teams with the public relation teams i'm guessing and how long did it take to actually put the strategy together to actually launch and reveal the the, the, the new branding anna um, that was 18 months and um, so the art department, we actually sit within marketing, so it was brilliant. So we felt very collaborative with them um, and the head of marketing operations, someone called Lottie Elson, set up a, um, a brand refresh channel. We met every week for 18 months um, and just chatted through, you know, they were kind of our scaffold, if you like, and we were yeah. allowed to do creative stuff. It was actually Lottie's idea way back in the beginning to do the rebrand. She was the one put the germ of the idea in our heads um, so we felt very supported and um, yeah it was um, a super process and um, they were absolutely key to it and you know with the words and the, the strategy behind it but um, yeah we, we were very very thorough and felt very supported by the entire team which was fabulous. Um, but yeah, does, so it we... boil, does, does it boil down to though a specific sort of minute you know stroke of the hour when everyone hits a button and everything changes that's a good suddenly. question we were <laughs> we were we were thinking you know when do we launch um when we'll and then we thought well if we launched at the show a it would be incredibly hard work so obviously we had to the stuff going out before the show was in what we call the heritage branding and as we mm -hmm. approached the show i i was very keen it didn't jump from one to the other in a like a heartbeat so we were doing something called interim branding. So I started kind of streaming in an IMEX logo that was very generic and very plain um, in a, in a sans-serif font, which no one really noticed except for us, obviously. So it wasn't a massive leap of faith when it suddenly appeared. Um, we were starting to introduce the, the palette and just very subtly, because um, uh -huh. we knew what was coming, but no one else did. Um, and then we knew that launching at Frankfurt was such a gift. You know, it was going to be out there. It was going to make a huge impact. You know, it's terrifying, of course. Um, but I knew we had designed something really terrific. And it was exciting, terrifying, you know, as those moments are when you walk into the sea and you can barely touch the, the bottom anymore. That's when they say humans are at their, their finest. And it certainly felt like that the night before the show. I don't know if Ollie agrees, but... Um, yeah, it was a it was a gift to be able to launch mm. because there it was, you know, it was um, everyone was taking photos of it and it, it kind of did its work for us. So, um, similarly with, you know, our, our, sorry, Anna, um, similarly sorry. with, our, our, you know, our, our digital um, spaces, because, you know, obviously we have the physical show that's on for three days and everybody knows about. Um, but there's a lot of planning online mm. for everybody in the appointment system before all of that. Um, so we were able to, as Anna said, sort of um, ease it in by changing the color palette and things like that that we were using. 
uh, and then only then um, change um, the actual logo branding towards the mm -hmm. end. So um, yeah. I don't think anybody really would have noticed that there was a transition in, in progress there, but there certainly was. I mean, it helps mm -hmm. that we were using a new system anyway, I suppose, so mm -hmm. everything was brand new. Mm -hmm. But it was it was quite well choreographed, um, the, the, the change from one to the other. And, and did people, what was the sort of the feedback like pre-show? Did people, did you get comments from people who were starting to, to, to notice it or, or were aware that, that a change was, was, was afoot? Were you hoping that you would try and keep most of it to a, 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 a an instinctive reaction of people walking, you know, into the venue and suddenly going, wow, this is great. Or were you hoping for a sort of a bit, a strike a balance between that and some, some early feedback from people? I think one of our success criteria was to create that um, feedback moment. Um, and one of the things we wanted to do, sorry, that impact moment, you know, when you're walking in and seeing that, although we did sort of try and preload it a little bit, we had quite a lot of branding at the airport uh, mm -hmm. this year that um, we worked with, um, with our partners at Frankfurt Convention Bureau who organized mm. that with us. So there was quite a lot of subtle building before you actually got to that point. But uh, we did decide to focus on that big, reveal when you first walk in uh, we had some huge um aluminium powder coated letters made monolithic size really i suppose yeah. of the logo and what we wanted to do was create the um an image that was you know if you wanted to, to photograph imex to say either i'm at imex or imex has got some new branding we provide them with with the perfect shot so they don't have to do that anywhere else you know that was our one of our great mm -hmm. you know, success criteria there. And, you know, it's easier to measure that because you can observe people there photographing it, photographing themselves in and amongst it. We yeah. also use, I don't know if anybody's ever heard of a company called uh, Zenus, who are a yep. facial analysis AI. company. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, we, well, I, work, I work with um, Panos and the, and the team at yeah. Zenus for Event Tech Live. So we worked of course with them you do. Yeah. last year in, in London and this year in Las Vegas doing their facial recognition stuff. It's fantastic. Uh, AI. It is. L little plug for those guys. Go and check out Zenus. And, you know, we had one of their cameras set up at that point of reveal, you know, so we um, so we could tell it's, Anything that's designed to um, produce a, a positive uh, reaction, mm -hmm. positive sentiment, that's where things like this com comes in. Um, mm -hmm. So we were able to say uh, whether, um, you know, that point of, of, of reveal, whether the positive sentiment was higher, lower, whatever, to the overall baseline of the show. So, you know, yeah. so again, so we have, it, we have a success criteria of that's what it's supposed to do. Is it working? And I should give a, a little bit of context there for maybe anybody listening to the podcast who, who's not aware of Zenus and, and, and what it does. It's it's facial recognition, but in a sense that it's completely anonymous. It's, it's not recording people's faces. What it's doing is is tracking and monitoring the reaction of somebody's face. Uh, we use it at Event Tech Live in the conference theatres, so we can actually look to see what people's reactions were like during conference sessions to see which ones mm -hmm. generated the most sort of positive reaction in terms mm -hmm. of facial analysis, which ones maybe people switched off a little bit off. We can yeah. even see sort of down to the minute, you know, during that particular element of somebody's conference session, we can see when somebody's maybe attention span dipped a little bit because of their, mm -hmm. their, their facial reaction. So in this context, the, the sort of the facial reactions we use specifically to to monitor people's reaction to to, to the logo. That, that's mm -hmm. right, James. And I think the key um, differential there is it's facial analysis, not facial recognition. There's no link back Correct. to yeah. the actual mm -hmm. um, you know person's personal information, not even their name or anything like that. So all mm -hmm. it really is doing is corroborating our own observations that we're making on site ourselves. Anyway, you know, I was 
I was looking at it thinking it looks to be working. People seem to be enjoying <laughs> it. Um, but then there's a just dispassionate AI that can also just uh, verify or falsify that as well, or at least, you know, um, add some support um, yeah. to the hypothesis. And what what wonderful sort of you know world that we live in now in the in the event space that, that that we have that sort of easily deployable technology available to us that's discreet that can give us almost instant feedback on on mm -hmm. on, on what what people were doing and and I guess it's you know it, of course it, it, no doubt it was overwhelmingly positive you know it, you know we, we wouldn't be doing this podcast so mm -hmm. I guess now talking about a rebrand unless that the feedback Anna had been sort of overwhelmingly positive from people yeah yeah absolutely you could definitely feel almost instantly there was a kind of i can't describe it there was a fizz and i've, I've had that once before when i launched a magazine called grazia you suddenly realized there was something happening and everyone was reading it everyone's on the bus everyone was on the tube holding it and you thought this is working and it was a similar feeling you could tell the joy it was bringing and it was um it was quite palpable it was interesting and it was live in front of our eyes so yes terrifying but it worked so all good and, and and in terms of what you know events are, are, are there to do uh, you know and how they engage with the, with the attendees mm. that are visiting them um something that's really important is that is that a, a live event such as imex is seen to evolve particularly mm. given the marketplace yeah. that it's serving it's serving exactly. people who themselves are delivering events who are mm -hmm. constantly seeking to evolve and i guess it's such a significant change like this as an underlying pr message to to, to your audience is that you know, we're not just sitting on our laurels. We're not complacent mm. that this has been a successful event for many, many years. You know, we, we're also happy to make significant changes, which instantly to your attendees as they walk through the door will show, wow, this is the same, but different. They're moving forward. There, there could mm. be new stuff here this year. You know, I, exactly. I'm guessing that, that, that there must have been a sort of a really sort of positive impact then on all of the other aspects of, of the show floor and, and, and all Mm. Something like this will have a big impact on on the engagement with exhibitors, with conference sessions and <laughs> all of the other stuff that we look at analytically after the event, Ollie. Yeah, absolutely. And being able to sort of stop and take the time to um, you know, develop the brand as a, as a dedicated exercise, taking in all those other aspects of the, you know, the physicality of the show, the messaging around it, the human element um, that we all realise re-realize the importance of now, um, you know, having spent a couple of years in the wilderness. I mean, that's really what really, amongst the team anyway, um, I think um, the tremendous support around doing this brand refresh was because we, you know, had, had a passion for the events industry reignited, I think, in many respects. Mm. Um, people are very much at the, at the core of, of this, uh, these, this new brand image with a handshake motif on the M. If you, if you don't know what I'm talking about, have a look at the um, logo. Mm. Um, and the animations that we mentioned earlier are very much um, about the people who attend. You know, IMEX is, is, is an event for uh, the meetings industry. It's not our event. So having those people there was uh, that, that message there was, was, was wonderful. And so the new palette and the new branding just gave us a whole new set of tools to be able to get that sort of joy of, of events uh, mm. uh, right in the middle of things where it should be again so it was it's mm. a great it was great to work with it was a real labor of love um something that, that is really important that i asked today while i've got you both on the podcast is uh relates to topics of sustainability um and 
you know, that there's a huge focus within the events industry at the moment on sustainability, sustainable practices, not just with our physical assets and, and the reuse of assets, um, but with our people, our, you know, sustainable practices when it comes to, to staff and retention and training and all of those aspects. But when you're dealing with a major rebrand and you're suddenly generating new physical assets to go on a show floor, um, how much of the focus is on sustainability and whether or not you can reuse uh, and get sort of a longer lifespan out of some of the physical assets that you're generating to, to, to go into the venue? It's, it's first and foremost. Basically, if it's not sustainable, it doesn't get done. That's, that's, that's the rule, really, that we have. We have so many great ideas that, that, that we, um, we don't end up using because we can't, for the time being, you know, <laughs> you know, think of a way to actually like, realise them. Um, so, um, as I said before, we, we, were, we were working towards this for quite some time. Um, in some aspects, we used uh, the uh, interim, more neutral uh, branding for things that we had to build last year or the year before. We had no choice, but we wanted them to have that longevity. So we thought, well, okay, well, we have to brand them, but let's not do the old branding. Uh, we haven't got, we're not ready with the new stuff yet. We can just live with the interim stuff because mm -hmm. it's more important to do that than it is to throw that away and then go with the, with the new branding. Um, similarly, with all the other directional signs, some, some of them are kind of evergreen. They're the same every year. So in that mm -hmm. sense, um, you know, we, we were able to just use the old ones until they got uh, to the end of their life cycle. We, we, we choreographed that. Uh, but some change every year, uh, inevitably. Mm -hmm. So we're trying to cut down on those. We're using technology a lot more for, for things like wayfinding uh, to help with that sort of thing. Yeah, um, absolutely. but absolutely, it's um, it's the number one priority for us. Fabulous, and 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 I suppose finally, as we, as we sort of start to wrap up this uh, episode, Anna, is is there a life cycle for branding for for any given event or any given mm. brand, if for that matter? You know that this felt like it, it was a natural sort of conclusion of the old branding and, and an evolution into something new that mm. it, I get the, I get the impression that there was just this underlying feeling within the organization that it was time for a refresh. Mm. Have you put, have you put a life cycle mm. on this new stuff? Um, or is it just a case of waiting till it feels like it's ready to, to be refreshed again in a few years time? Um, I, I'm very keen this, that this is not um, a full stop for the brand. It's a springboard. So, we were very conscious to get it out and into people's DNAs as quickly as possible. So we were quite reserved in a way, just using the primary palette. So now as I feel it went, you know, it did get into people's DNA quite quickly and it's worked. Um, and if you now look at the old logo, you kind of think the new one is how it always should have been, which was always my dream. Um, mm. But now we can start really, really pushing it with um, on the design front. So I think it's, it's difficult and I think you need to see what you do have. I don't want to keep thinking you've got to change it. I really want to keep it consistent. I think the brand is really, really terrific and it really represents who we are. But now we can really kind of raise the design bar with it. There's so many possibilities. Um, so now I wouldn't look to change or rebrand again a considerable amount of time but there is a lot of things we have going on in the back of our heads that we didn't haven't put on the table yet so watch this space but um i think it's got the legs to you know have some real fun with it so fabulous um 
we're going to start wrapping up today's episode, but not without um, maybe pointing people in, in the right direction and, and just reminding uh, you of what we said earlier, which is that we'll put some of these assets into the mm. uh, into the into the description on uh, underneath the video on the eventindustrynews.com podcasts page. So if you're listening to this today, a reminder to head over to eventindustrynews.com, find this episode of the podcast under the podcast page and see some of those assets. I think we'll probably put some links in there as well, guys, mm-hmm. to things like IMEX. Uh, exhibitions i think is the website um but if you just google imex it will be at the top of the uh, uh, of the results so we can point people in that direction and maybe important as well to maybe point people in the direction of some of the social media channels and take a look mm-hmm. at all of those different platforms because no doubt there'll be subtle differences and refinements from channel to channel mm-hmm. where you can see you know at, at first hand you know some of the differences where you retain similarities but um but but have the subtle differences necessary to make those all those different social media channels now you know relevant and 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 good for what you know how people interact with those so um yeah loads of stuff to research out there i guess just google imex and 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 um <laughs> and you'll and you'll find it because i know a lot of people that listen to this podcast are you know they maybe not necessarily working for an event or for events of the scale and size and the global sort of uh, recognition that, that that comes with something like IMAX. With, uh, but some of the takeaways that they can take out this episode today, um, I suppose are fundamentals that could be carried down regardless of the size or scale of your organization um, and the size of event that you're running. Things like the um, the interim logos as you're moving mm-hmm. in something, if it's a long-term mm-hmm. process. That to me is, is a really sort of significant takeaway from today is that, mm-hmm. you know, if you know that you're going to do it over two years, 18 months, then from a sustainability point of view, that interim branding is something that I think that, you know, straight away a lot of people may not have considered before. Certainly I wouldn't have done, but gives you sort of a, a longer shelf life of, of some of those key assets that we have at events. So um, mm. thank you both. We, we've been talking to Anna Geisman and Ollie Bailey from IMEX about this uh, about this rebrand. No doubt loads of the people that listen and follow this podcast were there in Frankfurt this year. If you weren't and if you want to get uh, over to, to, to the next editions of the event, urge you to do so. It's a fantastic event for anybody that's involved in the industry. Um, and uh, check out uh, everything IMEX just by Googling it and, and looking at any one of their channels. Um, what I should do is give a little mention as well because we mentioned the word sustainability to um, event sustainability live um, it's a new show that's going to be launched alongside and run alongside event tech live at excel london in november 15th 16th of november so alongside event tech live there's going to be event sustainability live doing exactly what it says on the tin a show specifically for event professionals talking about sustainable practices and how we need to continue and how we can continue to develop those within the events industry not just from a carbon footprint point of view not just from a, a recycling physical elements point of view but sustainable practices when it comes to our, our operations with our staff, the well-being of our staff, um, the long-term management of people who work within the industry and making sure that everything that we do with people and physical elements are, are sustainable going forward. So yeah, check out Event Sustainability Live. Just Google that. It's on the 15th of 16th of November at Excel London, which brings us nicely to the end of today's episode. Um, thanks once again to you both for uh, for joining us. Um, thanks for giving us, you know, what is just a quick snippet and a, a sort of, you know, a, a quick overview of what must have been and is certainly a, a huge, huge undertaking. Congratulations on the success of it and uh, hope to see you again on the podcast in the future, um, which brings Absolutely. us nicely to the end of today's episode. Um, thanks to Ollie. Thanks to Anna. And we'll see you next time. Cheers, everybody. Bye bye. Cheers. Thank you.